Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. How are you doing? How's it going? What's new? These are uh, greetings that we give each other all the time. And the social norm is when you're asked that question, you answer with, good, great, fine. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. One time we were asked that question and, and we had gone through this, uh, this really horrible year. It's just a very difficult year a difficult year in ministry, a different, difficult year for our community. And so we went to this, this conference and somebody approached us and said, how are you doing? And we had had such a horrible year and felt isolated and, and um, just needed people to talk to. And my wife said, actually, it's been a really tough year. When she said that, the person that asked us how we were doing looked at us like a cow would look at a new gate. Just kind of blank stare and like, oh, okay, and literally walked away. We were kind of dumbfounded. But, but the, the social norm is when you're asked that question, the answer is fine. Now, if you want to go deeper, then, and, and you have the, the relational currency with that person, you can probe deeper and say something like, how are you really doing? How's it really going? And that is a cue to us to say, okay, I can open up. I can, I can um, share more deeply what I'm feeling or what I'm experiencing. You have been given permission to do that. And sometimes we get those cues and sometimes we don't. So I want to ask you the question. How are you really doing when it comes to your relationship with God and your spiritual walk? How is it really going for you? And we're going to be looking today as we continue our series through all the books of the Bible. Today we're looking at Exodus and our series is called Cover to Cover. And today I want to talk to you about the main theme of the book of Exodus. And that theme is deliverance. It's deliverance. And the key verse that I want to share with you today comes from Exodus chapter 29, verse 46. And it says this, And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And it speaks here of God who is our deliverer, the God who brought people out, his people out of the land of Egypt because they were enslaved and they were in bondage. And he says, I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out. And so as we look at this uh, theme in the book of Exodus on, 
on, uh, on deliverance. I want to share a few thoughts with you today from the book of Exodus. First one uh, has to do with living in bondage. And if you're taking notes, just write that down, living in bondage. When we, when we look at the book of Exodus, we see it's starting with the Israelites living in, in Egypt and being in bondage. Now, a little bit of history here. Um, there is a great famine in the land. And we know that Joseph made his way into Egypt. He became really second in command in all of the land. I mean, he'd been through false accusations. He had been in prison. Before that, he had been sold as a slave. But he went through the ranks and ended up basically um, administrating the collection of food for, for seven years prior to a famine that he predicted was coming through a dream that had uh, come to the Pharaoh. And so he was given this important position and all of his family eventually came to him and he made a way for them to come and settle in Egypt. They multiplied uh, the, the population of the Israelites in Egypt grew and grew. And it says in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Now this is generations later. And he was threatened by the vast numbers of them. And so what he was afraid of was that if somebody was to attack Egypt, that the Israelites would rise up from within the nation and join the enemies and bring Egypt down and defeat Egypt. And so he was afraid of that. And so what we find is, is the provision that the Israelites originally had in coming to Egypt, in escaping the famine and finding food and growing and expanding in their families over the generations, all of that provision eventually led to oppression. And it says in Exodus chapter 1, verse 10, that we must deal shrewdly with them. And in verse 11, it goes on to say that they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. So they took this Israelite population who were trying to escape a famine generations earlier and now made slaves out of them. And in verse 13, it says they worked them ruthlessly. Now, the king of Egypt died. And it goes on to say that the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. Chapter 2, verse 23 of Exodus. So they cried out. They groaned. They were oppressed. They cried out to God and their cries reached God. He heard them. And it says in verse 24 that God heard their groaning. Uh, chapter 3, verse 7 and 9 it says, I've seen their misery. God says, I've seen their misery. I've heard them crying out and I am concerned. And it says the, the cries of the Israelites has reached me. And so God hears them. He hears their groaning. He hears their cries. He sees their misery. And he's concerned 
about his children, the Israelites. So here is the truth. The enemy, in this case, it was Egypt, wants to bring bondage and wants to enslave God's people. And that's what happened in Egypt. We also find that spiritually speaking, the enemy still wants to keep people in bondage, wants them to be slaves to sin, wants them to be hooked in their addictions, on their habits, in spiritual bondage, in bondage from their past, living with guilt, living with shame, living with fear. He wants people to be living in bondage. But in Christ, God delivers his people. He delivers them from their bondages, from their past, from being slaves to sin, and into fellowship and freedom. Freedom. That's where we want to live. We want to live free. And that brings me to the second point, and that is God's persistent intent. And so when we look at, at this story in Exodus, and if the, the whole theme of the book of Exodus is about, about God delivering his people, and so we see God's intent all through the book of Exodus, where he is just working to deliver his people. And one of the ways that God works is he raises up a leader. And in this particular case, it was Moses. And he says to Moses in Exodus 3, verse 10, he says, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So think about that. They're in Egypt and they're slaves. They are in, in bondage. They are doing forced labor. I mean, these people are not enjoying life. It's terrible what they're going through. God sees it and God raises up a deliverer in Moses to bring them into freedom. Now think about that for a moment. To deliver them out of their forced labor to provide for them, to perform miracles for them, to set them free, to bless them, to give them their own land, to prosper them. That was God's intent. That was God's intent. That's why he raised up and that's why he called Moses to set the people free. And why? Because he heard their groans and he knew they needed to be free. And God said, it's time, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna set them free. So what did God do to Egypt? Well, he did everything he could. And I think that, that they had every, every chance, the Pharaoh had every chance in the world to respond to Moses and to let God's people go. But he wouldn't do it. So what did God do? He, he, first of all, he, he raised up a deliverer. He confirmed with signs to Moses that, that this was the way it is. And then he hit Egypt with plagues. And I want to read what the plagues were. The plague of blood, frogs, gnats, flies. Uh, there was a, a plague on the livestock. There were plagues of boils, plagues of, of, uh, of, of locusts, of hail, of darkness. And then finally, God hit them with, uh, with taking the firstborn of I guess every household. And there was wailing throughout the land. 
So all along the way, Moses was trying to get Pharaoh to let the people go. He was being met with resistance, but God persisted. He persisted against their resistance. He persisted against their rebellion. He, he persisted against the enslavement of his people, and he never gave up. He was relentless in his pursuit to set these people free and did whatever he had to do to make sure that it happened. And he ultimately won their freedom. And we recognize this, that we too can experience bondage and we can experience spiritual slavery, slavery to sin, and we can experience what it is to be oppressed by the enemy. And I want to read a passage of scripture from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. And it says this, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Now, who are we talking about here? We're talking about God's son. We're talking about Jesus. And this is a, a prophetic word, really, about Jesus dying for our sins, going to the cross, written in the book of Isaiah. So surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, and yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was the punishment, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. I want you to hang on to that. Will justify many and bear their iniquities. It's a powerful passage of scripture. And so God raised up Moses in the book of Exodus and God raised up his son, Jesus Christ, to set us free, to die for our sin, to take our sin upon himself, to take our spiritual slavery upon himself, to, to set us free from spiritual bondage, to set us free from the control of the enemy, the control of things that, that are not godly. Jesus came and died on the cross to set his people free. He paid for your freedom. He paid for your deliverance. He paid for your healing. He paid for your salvation. Jesus is your deliverer. He is your way out. He is your answer. And so that brings me to the third point, and that is this, stepping out of bondage. How do we step out of bondage? How do we step out of slavery? Well, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 31, Pharaoh finally had enough. He finally realized that he was defeated. He finally realized that he was whipped and that God had won this battle. And so he says to Moses, he calls for Moses and he says, up, up, leave. Leave my people, you and the Israelites, just get out of here. I've had enough. And so he's kicking them out of the land. Go and worship the Lord your God as you've requested. It took plagues and it ultimately took the death of their firstborns in Egypt 
to bring deliverance and freedom for God's people. And it took the, the death of the Son of God, it took the death of Jesus Christ to set us free completely. But there's this necessary action that we've got to take. There's this way that we've got to cooperate. There's something that we have to do. And you know what it is? We have to, uh, we have to get up and leave. We have to get up and leave. Just like the children of Israel did. They had to actually get up and leave. They weren't just told that they didn't have to be slaves anymore. No, they had to get up and leave and get out of Egypt. They had to walk away. Freedom had been granted, and they had to physically leave the bondage behind. Who in their right mind would have freedom purchased for them and choose to stay in slavery? Who would do that? Yet we have the potential, every one of us, have the potential to do that ourselves. Knowing that Jesus has purchased our freedom, knowing that Jesus went to the cross, knowing that Jesus paid for our sin, knowing that Jesus is our deliverer. And we have the potential to say, yeah, but you know what? I'm going to stay in bondage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep being a slave to sin when we have been set free. And we don't have to do that. And you're probably thinking, what on earth are you talking about? Well, let me, let me lay it out to you. And let me lay it out to you what, what I have seen, what I've experienced as, as, as I've walked with many of God's people for the last number of years. Here's how we choose bondage and slavery instead of freedom in Christ. Here's the way that we can potentially, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, find ourselves being enslaved. Here's one. Choosing to not forgive. Choosing instead of forgiveness, choosing a path of bitterness. Boy, that will enslave you spiritually. Here's another one. Choosing sin over righteousness, making a conscious choice to go back to Egypt and go back into the very things that God's delivered us from. That's a way that, that we can choose. When, when Christ has paid the price for our sin, when Christ has set us free, we say, I'm going to go back to Egypt and, and just carry on the way I was when I was a slave. That's a, way, that's a choice that we make. When we look at, at Romans chapter 7, I want to... Uh, just kind of break that down for us uh, today. Romans chapter 7. And the Apostle Paul is writing here, and he's, he's talking about a struggle that most of us experience in our walk with God. He said, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. So here's what he's saying. In my heart, in my mind, I delight in the freedom that I have in Christ. I, I, I give mental assent to that. I, I, man, I'm just, I'm in agreement with it. But I see another law at work in the member of my, members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And so, so the, the flesh is crying out and saying, sin, sin, sin. 
And the mind to say, no, you've been set free. You've been delivered. You belong to Christ. And the flesh is warring against the spirit. And he says, what a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me from this, this body of death? And then he goes on to say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the, to the, to the law of sin. We've been set free. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord who sets us free. We want to not be enslaved in our flesh, but set free by Christ. In our mind, we know we're free, but the, the flesh oftentimes wars against our spirit. And Christians are called out of bondage. Here's what we're called out of bondage to. We are called out of bondage to the past. Have you experienced in your life rejection, abandonment, abuse? Have you gone through, maybe you grew up in a home where you were under constant criticism and verbal abuse. Maybe you're dealing with, with past sin, feelings of fa failure, guilt, shame. Maybe it's past actions. Maybe it's something you've done in the past that you're terribly ashamed of, you feel guilty about, and it's holding you back. And here are two of the greatest hindrances to the freedom that we are to have in Christ. And those are unforgiveness and bitterness. When we walk in unforgiveness, it leads to bitterness. And when we walk in bitterness, the Bible says it defiles many. It will defile your relationships. It will defile your family. It will defile your personality. It just comes out when God's people are bitter. And so those are a couple of ways that, you know, we can know that we're set free by Christ, but say, you know what, I'm going to hang on to this stuff. I want to keep living in Egypt. I want to keep living in bondage. I don't really want to be free. And so those are things that we need to, to do to step out of bondage and say, Lord God, set me free from that. And so that brings me to the fourth point today, and that is about living in freedom. What is it like to leave bondage and live in freedom? What is that like? Well, it can be a little bit unnerving. Because here's what it was like for the children of Israel when they left Egypt. And here's what it's like for a person when they're saying, I'm going to leave the past behind me. I'm going to leave the bondage behind me. I'm going to leave the unforgiveness and the resentment that I've held toward uh, this person or that person, or I'm going to leave these old habits behind. It's forsaking the past. It's forsaking something that has become very familiar and part of our identity. We identify by it. Um, you know, you, could, you can identify by all kinds of things. I'm, I'm divorced. I'm a child of a broken home. Um, I, I, was, I was rejected as a kid. I was bullied. And we can identify by all of these different things. And so you're forsaking the past. 
Here's another thing is we are now embarking on the unfamiliar. And so when God's people left Egypt, they, when, when their feet hit the border, they were walking into the wilderness. For them, it was uncharted territory. For them, they didn't know where this was going. It was the wilderness for them. And that's how it is for us sometimes. There's, there's this little bit of fear of, if I leave this behind, then what? What am I going into? And so it's unfamiliar territory. And it's new territory for us. It's new spiritual territory where now you really have to trust God because you are leaving the old behind and you're really needing to trust God. Well, what are you trusting him for? Well, we're going to get into that in a minute. You're also having to learn new ways, new ways of thinking, new ways of responding, um, not having angry thoughts and conversations and arguments in your head. Sometimes people do that with people that are dead. They're angry at somebody that's been dead for 10 or 20 years, and they're still arguing with them in their hearts and in their minds because they're bitter, because they're angry, because they're holding on to resentment, and that becomes part of their identity. It becomes part of who they are. And so you're having to learn new ways of responding, new ways of thinking, new ways of believing, and not having all of these angry thoughts come to mind, but those angry thoughts are replaced by mercy, by forgiveness, by kindness, by, by yearning for God's blessing in other people's lives. Having to trust. Having to trust when you're able to put the past behind you, when you're able to, to walk away from bondage, slavery, to be able to say, Lord, I'm trusting you with all that. I can't fix it. I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. I'm entrusting it to you. I'm casting that care upon you. I'm leaving it with you. And so it's also a walk in faith. When God's people left Egypt, they were enslaved. But then they started to complain and say, you know, when we were in slavery, we, we had these pots of meat that we could feast on. They forgot how bad it was. And they, they looked back to what was being provided for them. They were living and acting and thinking like slaves. I'll work. I'll do what you want me to do. You look after me. You feed my belly. You house me. You give me what I need. That's how a slave, slave thinks. And when you're, when you're walking away from slavery into the wilderness, into uncharted territory, it is literally a walk of faith. They had to have faith that God was going to feed them. And so what did God do? He sent manna from heaven and quail. He fed them in the wilderness. He provided for them. Their shoes didn't wear out. He protected them from enemies. And he did all of these things because they had to have faith. They had to walk in trust and faith for God's provision. They had to rely on God. And if you're going to walk out of bondage from the past, you're going to have to step out in faith and say, there's things I, I've got to let go of. 
I'm walking into uncharted territory. It's going to be new spiritual territory for me. I'm going to be learning. I'm going to be growing. I'm going to be developing, but I can't revert back to the old habits and the old ways of thinking. When we leave slavery behind, everything is new. Freedom is new. And freedom can be a little bit uncomfortable in that, in that respect. Isaiah 43, 19. Here's something God says to us. It's a promise from God. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What if through this whole COVID thing, God was speaking to us and said, see, I'm doing a new thing. I'm bringing you into new spiritual territory. I'm bringing you into new life. There's going to be new life breathed into your church and into the churches around the world. There's going to be new life breathed into followers of me. There's going to be new faith. There's going to be new vision. The gospel's going to be preached. I am doing a new thing. Now, we're in uncharted territory for sure, but God says, I'm doing a new thing. Here's another one. John chapter 8, verse 11. Jesus is addressing this woman who's caught in adultery. And he says, go and leave your life of sin. Jesus did a new thing in her life. She was dragged out into the street, <laughs> humiliated, used as a pawn for wicked righteous or self-righteous people. And, and God looks at her and says, go and sin no more. Leave your life of sin. And that's what it is to leave slavery. That's what Jesus says to us. Leave your life of sin. Come and follow me. Leave it behind. Let's, let's, let's take some new territory. Let's go to some new places. And then in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Holding on to the truth of Jesus, being a true disciple of Jesus, following him, following his teaching, following his example, results in freedom. You see, our truth, if I was to speak my truth, it would be a totally different truth than God's truth. You know, our truth might be, well, um, I'm a victim. I've been hurt. I've been shafted by people. They did this to me. I'm defined by my past experiences. That's my truth. But Jesus' truth is this. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm not defined by my past. I'm defined by the truth of God's word. I am forgiven, and I choose to forgive. I am not bitter. I am merciful. I am kind. I am loving. That's God's truth in my life. And so then it goes on to say in John 8, 36, Jesus says, So if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, then you are free indeed. That's God's truth. We're not slaves. We're not bound by our past. We're set free. And God doesn't want us going back into that. He wants us to not live like slaves, 
but to live as free people. But we have to leave Egypt. We have to leave the slavery of the past. Now here's a perfect illustration of somebody who left the slavery of the past. It's Mary Magdalene in the New Testament. Now let me just encapsulate Mary's life before Christ. She was a prostitute. She was used by men for their pleasure and their satisfaction. She was in an immoral lifestyle. She was selling her body. She had a reputation. She had a handle. She was a prostitute. That's what she did. What do they call them? A, a woman of ill repute. In Luke chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, it talks about Mary Magdalene. It says that seven demons were cast out of her. And she became a disciple of Jesus. She was not defined in her own life. She was not defined by, by who she was prior to Jesus. She was defined by being a follower of Jesus. And God did some amazing things in her life. Let's look at it. I mean, when I, when I speak her name, you probably, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you know who it is. And it's not because of who she was, but it's because of who she became. She was a follower of Jesus. She loved Jesus. She was set free. She was a new creation. And God did a new thing in her life. <laughs> when Jesus was crucified and he was sealed away in a tomb, it was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who went to the tomb and discovered that Jesus had been resurrected. It was them who received the message from the angel that Jesus isn't here, he's risen. And it was them who went to the apostles and announced, Jesus is risen, he's risen from the dead, the tomb is empty, he's not in there. It was Mary Magdalene, who it says in the Bible, Jesus first appeared to after the resurrection. This is a total totally, total transformation of her life, a totally different direction from who she was to what she had become. She had been set free. She had left the slavery of her old life. She didn't hang on to it. She didn't dabble in it. Man, she was sold out to Jesus. And she was following after him completely sold out to Jesus. And that's what he wants to do for you. And that's what he wants to do for me. Not going back to Egypt, not going back to the old ways, but following Jesus. She had a whole new life, a whole new adventure. And boy, it really was something exciting in her life. She left it all behind. So where are you today? I'll tell you this. There's a great many people whose bodies are in church, but whose heads and hearts are back in Egypt. They're physically present, but in their heart and in their mind, they're unforgiving, they're angry, they're bitter, they're hurt, and they're living in the past. And Christian, it's time to come out. It's time to come out. It's time to get out of there. It's time to get up and leave Egypt and get serious about being free and take the whole package, receive the whole package of everything Jesus has done and not just receive 
his salvation, but his deliverance, his freedom, being a true disciple, following him, following his teaching, and not going back to the old ways. So I want to close with this. What are the steps to freedom? Well, here's, here's a few of them. I'm going to walk through about, I don't know, five of them. I think the, the first step to freedom is, is declaring, I am free in Christ. I'm a child of God, and I am free in Christ. Secondly, I, I repent of, or I renounce, wrong attitudes and past hurts. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's abuse. Maybe it's something else that, and you know what it is because you're rehearsing it in your heart and in your mind. That's how you're identifying yourself. Something that happened in your past. And you're, what, what we need to do is say, I'm free in Christ and I repent of this. I'm, I'm rejecting it. I'm doing a 180 degree turn. I'm going the other direction away from it. I want nothing to do with it. I forgive. That's number three. I forgive. I forgive those who've hurt me. I forgive those who've damaged me. I forgive those who've rejected me. I forgive those who have abused me. I forgive those who've shamed me. I forgive those who've wronged me. And I'm not going to keep trying to punish them in my mind and in my heart, my attitude. I forgive them. Those who enslaved me, I forgive them. Number four, based on the fact that I have repented or renounced wrong attitudes and past hurts, based on the fact that I forgive, I now declare that I am free in Jesus, that he who the Son sets free is free indeed, and I am part of that group. I am free in Christ. And here's the last part. I'm walking out of Egypt. I'm forsaking my old ways. I'm leaving it behind me. I want nothing more to do with it. It's in the past. I'm leaving it there. And I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow his teaching. I'm going to follow what he says. I'm going to be free because I'm a disciple of Jesus. And it's new. It's all new. Aren't you glad you don't have to live like a slave? (laughs) Aren't you glad that you can be free? Aren't you glad that the book of Exodus is about deliverance? And the story of Jesus is about deliverance and freedom, the freedom that we can enjoy in Christ. I'm glad. And I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've gone through. But Jesus does. And he wants you to make a clean break from your past and help you walk into the freedom in Christ that you deserve, that he died for. He's already done it for you. You just need to walk into it. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for every person that's listened today. And and Lord, we're not here because of coincidence, but by your divine design. And Lord, I thank you that as people have been listening to this, chains have been breaking off. We can hear the chains falling to the ground, as it were. 
and you're setting your people free. Set us free, Lord, from guilt, from shame, from our past, from past failures. Help us, Lord, to remember these things no more and to walk into the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you that he who the Son sets free is really free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us today. We are meeting Sundays at 9.30 and 11.10 at Christian Life Church, 1042 Jefferson Avenue in Winnipeg. You're always welcome to join us. We have a traditional worship service, means we, we sing hymns in the first service, and contemporary in the second service. Our people are friendly, they're kind, they're loving, and I, I know that you'll find great acceptance and uh, encouragement in joining with others in worship. But that's not to minimize the importance of you joining with us online because you're part of us as well. If you're joining us from Mexico or British Columbia or Alberta or Ontario or wherever you're watching from, California, we're glad and we want to say that you're part of our family too. And we're glad that you join us. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Anytime you want to drop us a line, do it. You can access us through our website, www.clcwinnipeg.com. .ca. You can send in prayer requests. We have a Zoom prayer meeting every Tuesday night. And uh, we pray for all the requests that come to us. Everyone gets prayed for. If you want to give to CLC and help us with our ministry, you know what? We'd appreciate it. This is not a big church. It's a small church with a big heart and a big outreach. And, uh, and so we really would appreciate that too. God bless you. We love you. We care about you. And thank you for joining us.